Hey, everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers. Kevin, how you doing? I'm still kicking, sometimes punching and biting. Uh, good to hear. Um, we're recording this a little uh, late on, on Wednesday, but uh, it will go up. Um, uh, most recent article you've written uh, for the site has been about the women's volleyball team uh, in the Bay Area. They uh, they took on Stanford yet again. Stanford's sort of like the clone of Oregon in terms of like they played a similar schedule. They're a similarly top 10 ranked team. Uh, they beat Oregon um, in a match uh, at Matthew Knight Arena earlier in the season. Uh, how'd it go when Oregon played at their place? Uh, you know, the Stanford jumped out to an early lead. Um, Ducks were able to battle back and, and force a fifth set. Uh, unfortunately, they were not able to uh, to pull out the, the upset in that fifth set. But, you know, it, it was a battle and it was it, definitely a battle. I mean, it was it was quite a thriller because they they. You know, the the first set didn't go real well. They 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 you know, Stanford definitely controlled it. The second set, you know, Stanford won, but like Oregon was, you know, a lot more competitive. They they took them, you know, down to the wire. So then the the rest of the match, they're facing elimination the you know, the whole way. Yeah. But they really kicked their ass in the third set. Like, you know, uh, uh, Oregon performed, you know, really well in the third set, you know, uh, you know, now, you know, to, to, to be fair, like Stanford sort of know, you know, they know they can give up to, um, uh, uh, but like still, you know, Oregon beats him in the third set and then Oregon beats him even worse in the fourth set. Right. You know, like the fourth set, you would think, you know, Stanford was sort of like taking a break, you know, like marshalling the resources or whatever. And the third set, you sort of understand that. But then the fourth set, that's like they want to win that, you know, like they, they want to like they don't want to allow it to go to a fifth set because then all of a sudden it's sudden death. Um, but Oregon beats them worse, you know, like uh, I, I was actually, you know, watching that. I was like actually really impressed, um, especially with Hannah Pukas. Like I really felt like she sort of put the team on her back you know, in that one, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, her, sorry. You're talking about uh, Pukas, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, came, came on strong. Um, also fun fact, she recorded her 5,000th career assist. Yeah. Um, it's pretty yeah, amazing. with her, yeah, her 17th one of the match. Um, and, uh, she is only one of two active, players in the NCAA uh past that milestone. So very, very good job there. Um also, you know, I, I want to call out our our outside hitting. Morgan Lewis um came up with a 0.405 outside hitting. Um and then double digit kills. Which is that like point four oh five is is excellent. Like yes in, very. In volleyball. Like that's an that's an incredible number. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it was her ninth match with double digit kills. And then two others, Mimi Collier and Gabby Gonzalez also with double digits, 14 and 10 respectively. So offense was not the problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even defense, like, you know, Georgia Murphy, the libero um, had 18 digs, which is, uh, you know, that that's her 
that's her season best, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it t- um, yeah. Ties her season high that. Yeah. Um, and, so uh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, they, I mean, they take it to the fifth set, um, which in, in volleyball, the, the fifth set, you know, it's not to 25, it's to 15, you know, they shorten it. It's like, I don't know for drama, I guess. Uh, and, uh, you know, Ducks play competitively, but they ultimately lose like 15 to 12. But like Stanford wasn't in control of it. It was like back and forth. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, they they jumped out to an early, early yeah. lead. And but then it was just point, 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 just trading points back and forth. Yeah, exactly. It was, yeah, it wasn't like this wasn't like Stanford goes up like 13 to five. And then, you know. Oregon, you know, goes on a run, but ultimately you knew it was going to happen. Stanford, all they needed was a couple of points. No, it wasn't like that. You know, Stanford, I think it was like four to one to start out with. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, but then it was so like, yeah, you're right. You know, a bit of an early lead. But then, yeah, it was, you know, they were trading points. You know, it was like, I mean, this was a thriller. Like, it was really like, I mean, honestly, they, they fell you know but like it was honestly the most like competitive and exciting you know volleyball match that i think i've watched the ducks play all year um and, and it's kind of like it, it sucks because i think that they are now like you know they played a bunch of top 10 matches and they're underwater in those top 10 matches you know they they started out like two and oh in in their top 10 matches and now i think they're i think they're three and five if i'm counting right um which like if they're going to win a national championship this year, which like they could, uh, you know, you want to be on the sunny side of that. Um, and they probably need to like, I mean, they, they need to get better. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, you know, the, the current level of performance against really high quality teams, like you're going to face really high quality teams in the postseason, And like, you need to, beat them not just like play competitive games against them but like beat them mm-hmm. to win a national championship and that's not like not exactly the level they're performing right now but like there's still time to get better and achieve that so like i'm not you know writing this season off as like done yet i'm just saying right. that like it, we, like we have enough data about how they're performing like if they had just lost like one of these it would not be time to like say Oh, you know, to, to say like, oh, well, I guess not this year. Uh, you know, you, you, you would say like, you know, eh, you know, it's just one, but at this point, like, no, 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 we have enough data to say like, no, they're not playing at a, a national championship level at this point. Uh, on the other hand, like the, there is still enough time to get to, to improve, you know, like, to, which can happen within the course of a season. So like, let let's see if they do but like what we can definitely also say is they're not getting worse you know it's not like having taken some disappointing you know uh, like losses you know in some of these top 10 matches like when they lost to wazoo on their own court when they lost to stanford earlier um or when they lost that, you know, that ASU match, you know, which was, you know, not a top 10 team uh, and, you know, got swept, you know, like that, that was real, you know, punch in the gut, you know, this team, they might've folded 
or or packed it in or just decided well i guess we're not a national championship team i guess we'll like go through the motions or whatever or you know gotten worse or maybe they you know injuries might have started stacking up because you know this team's playing with some dings right like you can see it you know they're they're playing with like braces on legs and stuff right you know you saw that when you were watching them right oh yeah i mean a lot of the uh, the kt tape you know, yeah, shoulder, yeah. on shoulders and elbows. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely playing through some pain, but you know, I mean, it's, it's November you get late into the season, you know, yeah. everybody's going to be nursing something. Um, and I was actually just looking at their remaining schedule for the volleyball team. Um, no more ranked teams on the schedule. Sure. Um, so, like, so, but I mean, they are currently sitting number six and Stanford who they, who they just lost to is number two. So yeah, yeah you, but it's like, that what you can definitely say is they're not getting they they are not getting worse. You know, like they, no. they haven't allowed the, the losses to get them down. Like they still have all their goals ahead of them. Um, and, and like the, their trajectory is, you know, holding steady with the possibility of improvement. And so, therefore, like, you know, the. They will still, you know, make the playoffs and have the opportunity to play, you know, equally, you know, or, or teams at their same similar level mm-hmm. and have an opportunity to beat them. It will require playing a little better than they're playing right now uh, in order to do that. But like they're not they haven't packed it in, you know. Very true, and and here's another uh, another fun fact. I'm going back and I'm actually looking at their lo- their previous losses, um, and it you know they lost to Minnesota, came back, mm-hmm. beat the pants off of Ohio State three three sets to one. Right. You know they they lose to Washington State one set to three. They come back and sweep Colorado. They get swept by Arizona State. Come back, sweep Cal. Like <laughs> every time they lose, they just come back and with a yeah. vengeance. Yeah, so, like it, they, it's they play pissed off. You know, the, the, their next mm-hmm. match or their next couple of matches, right? Like, and they, yeah, that's the other thing when they're when they play teams that are like, you know, le- inferior, you know, competition. You know, they're not like letting them hang in there. Yeah, not non-ranked opponents or or anything. Yeah, no, they they kill them. You know, they they don't. They're, they're not sleepwalking. Um, and that was definitely true against, you know, the other team that they played in their Bay Area swing, which was Cal, you know, the the, the next game uh, or the next match uh, in which, you know, they, they murder. I mean, they 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 lost the first set in a tight one. Right. Correct. Uh, I think that was what? 25, 23. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but, <laughs> and then, <laughs> but then the second set, they win 25 to 12. I mean, like Cal might as well not have been on the floor in the second set. Like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and then I don't know, Oregon goes and gets some Gatorade or something and they lose the third set, uh, you know, 20 to, to 25. And then in the fourth set, it's like, oh, I guess we'll murder them again. You know, sort of like playing with 15. Their, yeah. Yeah. It's like sort of like playing with their food. You, you know, they're just like, what you, is this like Cobra Kai stuff? You know, like <laughs> take a point, lose a point, you know? Um, and so like, yeah, it, go, it goes down to the fifth you know, set, but then they win the fifth set, you know, and, 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 and finish it off. So like, yeah, they're, 
you know, they beat Cal as you should yes. uh, in, in two of the matches or two of the sets of the match, you know, or just like just straight murder them. Um, whereas, you know, the losses are all, you know, very close. Yes, that's true. And, and one thing is there, I actually was more impressed. There was more, there were more digs, more blocks against Cal. It was a different play style than we saw against Stanford. Yeah, I noticed that too. Is like a, like a very defensive uh, play style. Yeah. Um. But you know, it, sometimes it were you know it switched things up. It's you know they they couldn't get the rally. You know they were they were behind. Uh, they were behind in three sets. You know against Cal or against Stanford, and they couldn't rally back. They were behind against Cal in three sets, and they rally back. You know, Cal could not hold off the rally. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, th- that's definitely what you notice about this team in terms of, like, you know, h- how deep it is, first of all. You know, they they they, they rotate pretty significantly, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, like, like Karen McGee, you know, closed it out uh, for, uh, you, you know, for the Ducks. Um you know, and had a fantastic performance. She, she didn't play that much against Stanford, you know, she like, not. you know, so it's like, you know, that's how deep that, you know, like that's how deep the team is. And then on top of that, like, just like we were, you know, like I was, I was talking with Badwater about this, you know, about the, the previous set of matches where like the, the way that the, you know, the opponent was playing with like super aggressive, you know, services, you know, caused Oregon sort of rotate so that they, you know, they, they had to have, you know, every player on the floor had to be, you know, capable of, you know, of being a good service returner um, because, you know, the, the opponent was trying to, it was like going all out to target whomever uh as as is their way of winning so oregon had to like rotate to a uh like a a defensive posture you know Mm -hmm. uh, to to prevent service aces well guess what oregon can do that you know and win um because like the team's so deep that they can play like multiple different configurations and they're still winning configurations um and like that's definitely what I noticed about this team and it was like it was definitely true you know that uh, about yeah, they played Stanford and they played Cal in like completely different play styles because because they can, you know, like it's not this team doesn't always look the same, you know, because and they sometimes have, not even in the same match. Yeah, They're, you know, they they can completely change their their setup if it's not working. Yeah. So like, yeah, I definitely like that sort of adaptability. And it's the you know, it's the kind of thing like I, I've been watching some. OK, so. I'm about to sound super nerdy. So like I, I over the last two years, as, as soon as USC and UCLA announced that they were bouncing back in 2022, uh, you know, with, I basically made the determination that this was do or die. Like Oregon was going to join the big 10 as well. And so I acquired all of the big 10 football film and I started charting it. Um, and uh, uh, in the process of doing that, I had to watch a ton of volleyball promos. Don't uh, ask me why that is the case. Um, like, just don't. Uh, the, I, I, it was like part of the package. Um, and and 
I'm, I'm not going to divulge my sources and methods, but <laughs> I had to watch a ton, not like the full on matches, but like in the course of doing the video editing and, and video watching, like I, I think I probably watched maybe like two hours to combined over the course of watching t t two years of big 10 film. Like mm -hmm. I'm not like I, I, I wrote an article about it, but I watched because I needed to get like my film like library built up of because because like you know i've been writing all these articles about the pac-12 it's because like i have a deep foundational knowledge of the pac-12 and like i don't have that knowledge of the big 10 so i needed to build it um so that's what i've been doing like with my spare time uh, mm -hmm. like over the last two years for the big 10 football and so i had to like and like i i didn't have any of that stuff recorded you know so i had to make some deals which again i'm not going to tell you about uh and, and, and so in the course of watching like two years of big 10 football, I probably absorbed like two hours of, of big 10 volleyball because like those people are nuts about volleyball, which like, good, that's great. I'm super glad. And for some reason, like the Midwest grows super tall women. I don't understand that. Um, something in the water, I guess, or the corn, I cool anyway uh like calcium in the water like it's all like hard water out there maybe that's it makes makes the bones big i guess uh, or just long i don't know anyway the uh 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 yeah it's all the same style of play like all of it it's all the same style of play like like uh like i i sort of feel like oregon might have like an advantage like when they go to the big 10 and are playing like big 10 conference matches, because like they can kind of be a chameleon. Um, and so like, I've really been paying attention to that factor this year. Um, it, like the ability to sort of like adapt and play differently, even within the same like trip or even match or even set, uh, you know, by rotating. Uh, uh yeah. oh yeah no it's it's like playing rock paper scissors when you know your opponents always throw in the same thing yeah exactly yeah it's just <laughs> nothing but rock nothing but rock out of the big 10 uh yes you well, might say that about a lot of different sports yeah in the big I, 10. yeah i as well i might uh all right uh so yeah they they beat cal uh, uh good for them um and, and uh so anyway i what's up next uh for the ducks head into the desert uh yeah they have yeah. the opportunity to take revenge on uh arizona state uh their only non-top 10 loss of the season um uh yeah so we'll look forward to that uh you know we will cover it as well on addicted to quack as we've been covering them all season long uh all right let's take a break uh when we come back we will talk about cross country sounds good So the cross country teams uh, headed up to the state of Washington for the uh, uh, Pac-12 championship. Um, this was sandwiched in between the NCAA pre-nationals and this. Uh, the, the, these races counted as qualifiers for the nationals. Is that right? Uh, no. Or they, they were like a Sorry. leg to I the nationals? <laughs> so... Uh, Pac-12 championships were October 27th. Uh -huh. uh, NCAA West regionals were just on Friday. Oh, okay. 
Got it. In Sacramento. I was like, wait a minute. No. Yeah. Um, yeah no. All right. Right. We already talked about their trip too. Yeah. And so the PAC 12 championship wasn't at the university of Washington. Uh, Cause there's no country in to run around in Seattle. So it was like, uh, it was either university of Puget sound or Pacific Lutheran or something like that. Anyway, we already talked about that. So no, this was down to Sacramento, right? That was the, 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 the regionals, the West regionals for cross country. West regionals, yes. Okay. So this was the qualifier to nationals. And what's confusing is that nationals is going to be the same place that they already went to a race at, which is, uh, 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 the University of Virginia, which was Correct. confusingly called or maybe appropriately called pre-nationals. pre-nationals. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it was helpful because it's like going to be the same course, I suppose. They like learn the course and like where the, the pitfalls are, I suppose. Uh, so anyway, um, so this was like ha- qualifying for it. Right. And uh, okay. So you are going to be writing that up. It's going to go up on Thursday morning. Uh, we will look forward to your article. You want to give us a little sneak preview of your article? Kat? Well, this, the the big piece to give you is uh, the Duck women have punched their ticket to nationals. Awesome. So uh, second place finish, top two finishers in every regional, uh, one automatic bids. And then there were, I believe, 13 at-large bids. Unfortunately, the men uh, came in seventh in the team standings, so they did not get it, an automatic bid, and they were not selected for one of the at-large. Um, but they will be sending Elliot Cook, who finished in 10th place um, in the uh, individuals. He do- he will be at national, so we're sending the women's team and one guy. Mm. And like, there were a couple other men who like came pretty close, right? Like Josh Edwards uh only finished i think like 30 seconds behind elliot cook he didn't meet the 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 cutoff for he did not hit the cutoff no unfortunately for individual but like i mean he's hot on the heels you know yeah and entertainingly enough it was like edwards uh quincy norman was then you know six seconds behind him and then connor burns was six more seconds behind i mean they were in a sequence coming in um and when you consider that these, you know, these are 30 minute races, 29 and a half minute races, that's, that's well, a very different. narrow margin. It's interesting because they're different, they're different distances. So the, the, and they're different distances, not just for men and women, but that in different competitions are different distances. So at this competition, the men were running a 10 K and the women were running a six K. Correct. So the, the women, so like women's, uh, 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 Oregon women's top finisher, Maddie Elmore ran a, a 1922, which damn, that's fast for a six K. Um, like that's, <laughs> I mean, that's better than my five K time. Um, which, so like, <laughs> damn. Um, and, uh, and, and Elliot cook, who is Oregon's top, uh, men's finisher in the 10 K ran a, you know, 29, 22, you know, so like, you know, obviously it's a little slower pace because it's you know uh, going four yeah. more kilometers. Yeah. Yeah, four more kilometers. But like, but yeah, for, you know, a, a 35 second difference over, you know, half an hour is like, you know, your paces are almost, you know, identical. It's you know crazy that that that's you know the 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 cutoff, but like, yeah, these guys are running pretty fast. Um 
so yeah, uh, that you know the the women, not that they needed it because they qualified a team, but like you know, uh, you know, Maddie ran uh, a, a 1922, Izzy Thornton Bolt 1941, uh, Annika Thompson 1946. You know, uh, like you know, these are pretty incredible times for 6K. Um, Don't forget to shout out our freshman Katie Clute. You know, 24th place, uh, but it was only a couple seconds. It was 2006. I mean, yeah, and fourth among all freshmen. So yeah, yeah, she's yeah, that's, right future, bright, bright future. future definitely is running that as a freshman. So um, uh, and, and yeah, um, uh, uh finished uh, second place. You know, for the women, uh, uh, first place was Stanford. There, Stanford is uh, St- Stanford took first place. Um, both uh, teams. both for both women and and the men. You know, at the West Regional, Stanford is ranked seventh overall for the women, tenth overall for the men. Um. Oregon is ranked 12th overall for the women. And I think they're uh, what 26th uh, for the men. Um, yeah. It was, there was a bit, something of uh, uh, some upsets um, uh, too, like, you know, Gonzaga in, in, on the men's side, Gonzaga and Portland who are unranked teams um, came in second and third, um, uh, you know, you beating out like a bunch of ranked, you know, nationally ranked teams. Uh, Cal Baptist, the they beat the number four team in the nation. Yeah, exactly. They beat, you know, Washington came, you know, which is the 22nd ranked team only came in fifth, you know, behind. So like good for Gonzaga and Portland, you know, way to go. And then, um, uh, and then on the women's side, Gonzaga as well, you know, which is an unranked team, you, you know, came in fifth place, you know, ahead of a bunch of other, you know, ranked teams. Uh, so, uh, yeah, like, um, uh, uh, apparently like an interesting course. Um, and, uh, and, uh, so anyway, the, 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 the women will be, um, will be competing, uh, will be back in Virginia and Elliot cook individually for the men. Uh, when's that race? That race is taking place. So let me make sure I don't give you the wrong date again. Uh, November Saturday, November eighteenth. So this Saturday, yeah, this Saturday, um, women's race begins at ten twenty a.m. Eastern time, uh, so seven twenty in the morning over out here on the West Coast, and eleven ten a.m. The men will be kicking off. Yeah, all right. We will uh, we'll be covering Shop. that on uh, Addicted Quack a little after uh, it's happened, but you know, we, we we'll have that scheduled. Um, uh, uh, yeah, so we're looking forward to it, and uh, uh, go Ducks on that. Uh, all right, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we will talk about uh, the USC football game. So uh, the Oregon Ducks uh, hosted the USC Trojans uh, in Autzen Stadium, uh, not for the last time, uh, unlike several of the teams that we have talked about this season. Um it uh the the fourth quarter was a bit sloppy uh and uh you know Oregon had to as i said on a different podcast uh had to sort of fight a two front war uh against both the USC Trojans and the Zebras to some extent um uh you know this game probably should have been uh, you know a larger margin of victory than uh than than it ultimately was but like you know in my article i i you know, I spent a little time explaining, you know, why effectively the instant that the Bucky Irving crossed the goal line on that first play, 
uh, you know, out of the, in the in the fourth quarter, the, the the first play out of shout. I love that. You That's know, the, the, you should always score on that play, Dan. Yeah. Keep it going. You should always <laughs> score on that play, and it was so it was so perfect because like that score kicked the the differential up to twenty two points in the fourth quarter, which every advanced statistical system in the world you know, says that's the cut. That means the re- the rest of the game is garbage time because it, it is functionally impossible for, you know, for the, for the other team to, to come back and win it. Um, uh, and it requires like totally non-represent, you know, totally non-representative play is going to ensue, uh, which, you know, I can tell you from having done film study on the game is exactly what happened. You know, USC goes into desperation mode on offense and on defense, right? You know, it's like, it's like nothing but passing, you know, it's like they're going for it in every fourth down, including like, you know, the infamous, you know, that phantom pass interference flag. It's not just the, the infamous pass interference it's that they're throwing the ball from their own like 31 yard line you know on a fourth and long you know which like Mm -hmm. you know that's a classic garbage time you know like you're not doing that if this is normal play right uh and on defense they're like trying they're playing for turnovers right you know like you can see it on a bunch of different plays where they're like they're trying to step in front of the ball you know instead of actually like defending it um or or playing to make the tackle or something like that uh, or, or or they're trying to like pull the ball out instead of letting ball carriers get like a couple extra yards while they're trying to like stand them up and pull the ball out so it's like these are all sign these are all reasons why you need to like ex- and like similarly you know for the way that Oregon is playing on, on offense and defense where they're trying to like kill clock you know they're trying to 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 you know you know method you know very methodically march the field you know they're 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 playing very soft zone you know where they're surrendering you know you know the, the underneath stuff but then immediately tackling it because they want to eat you know force usc to eat a bunch of clock you know so like all of these are like qualitatively reasons why this is non-representative play needs to be excluded and so it's like yeah the sloppiness is upsetting um but like the instant you understand that that's sort of non-representative and why it should be excluded and so you know you go then and look at the like fundamental strength stuff for like oh my god oregon killed them you know the first three quarters of the game where it is like serious play it's like holy cow man i mean the numbers are all in my article but it's like you know oregon's at well above 60 percent efficiency you know in all four quadrants of football you know the the you know uh, their their explosiveness on offense and preventing explosiveness on defense is all elite you know their yardage is like insane um it, you know they they hold usc to their lowest performance you know but you know because because i charted all of usc's games going into this so that i can do like apples to apples comparisons and say like okay this is what each of usc's you know offensive performances were in all of their previous games using the same you know system by which i exclude garbage time and use the same controls and so forth and then say okay and then how do they do against oregon real bad you know using the same <laughs> using the same system and in, in comparing apples to apples the answer is real real bad like real awful 
um, you know, because this was by far the best defense they played. You know, even Notre Dame, you know, no, they scored fewer points than they did against Notre Dame because they kept turning the ball over against Notre Dame, and they they really then they only turned the ball over once against Oregon, and and so you know the, because that you know that's what happens when you turn the ball over, you know, like you're you suddenly surrender the possession. That's like that's what it means. Um, but like the 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 on a per play you know basis you know in terms of like how many yards per play are you getting what is your per play success rate you know how many times are you getting explosive plays like on all of those questions for both the pass and the run usc actually played better against notre dame than they played against oregon i mean not not much better. I mean, I, I don't want to take much away from Notre Dame's defensive performance. Notre Dame's defensive performance was also very good. Um, and on top of that, they were getting, you know, turnovers. But that's largely because, like, Notre Dame sort of allowed uh, Caleb Williams to run around. And then, like, they gave him an opportunity to try to, th- to force the ball into coverage. And then they would intercept it. Whereas in this game, Oregon would either sack him or he would throw the ball away, which like, of course, you're not going to get turnovers when that's the case. Like, and so, you know, that, but like when, once you sort of like take the turnover aspect out of it and you just look at like yards per play, you know, explosiveness, success rate, like, yeah, actually Oregon's defense performed a little better than Notre Dame's defense against the same team. Um, so like, cool. Um, and then obviously like offensively, like, I mean, (laughs) oh my God. (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. Oregon just like completely shredded. Well, I mean, the 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 thing is you know like or, or there's actually like i mean obviously there's three actually there's three distinct phases to the to the game there's the the end game which i already talked about uh, you know about being garbage time and why it's excluded there's the opening phase of the game where oregon's just like is is quickly jumping out to the lead by those big giant explosive plays mm-hmm uh, right of which there are multiple you know it's not just the two you know the tez johnson one and the the troy franklin one but then there's another like giant pass and then there's also another one franklin where, had two because he he got right came up short of the goal line on so he actually had two right right, right. but yeah. then there's also a fourth one that people don't maybe are not necessarily it's in my article people are not necessarily thinking of it as one of the normal ones but you should it's just the it's it's a it's the 21 yard uh, touchdown pass to tez johnson where the safety runs the wrong way mm-hmm. um I, the, the broadcast highlighted it where, you know, uh, they go back to it at, you know, it's like, you know, they, they, they score the touchdown, they do the kickoff. And then the broadcast is like, let's go back and look at that. And they show the safety running the wrong way. And it's like, well, that's why it was that wide open, you know? And so it's like, that sort of goes in the same bucket if you want to think of it that way as the, 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 the other ones, because it's the, the bucket being, Oregon taking a shot because the safeties are just god awful. And mm-hmm. like that's the on on uh, when when Oregon is playing defense the defining inescapable 
and like fact of the game is that Oregon's defensive front was just absolutely crushing USC's offensive line. Like, I mean, just like, uh, just uh, there to, to the point where there was just nothing that USC could do. They couldn't run the ball, you know, except for a couple of outside plays um, and a couple of like interesting Lincoln Riley plays. It was actually really, really fascinating. Some of the run plays that he was pulling out for like the first play of each try. Um, uh, that you know, and, and like you know, Caleb Williams has to like scramble, you know, constantly. Uh, about sixty percent of all yardage that USC got in this game came on six broken plays. Yep. From like that's how bad it was. Like you know, Oregon was constantly forcing him out of the pocket. They were getting nothing from in the pocket. They were getting nothing in the run game. Uh, you know, most of the time when they forced him at, you know, it was, a uh, uh, Oregon had a 61.5% success rate when they, you know, caused a broken play defensive success rate. I mean, so mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so on the minority, you know, so on the majority of plays in which they dropped back, Oregon forced him, you know, uh, broke the play, which like, that's crazy. I've never seen that before. Right. It was a 56% sack scramble throwaway rate for drop back, which I've, I mean, I, I've never like, over half over yeah, half was the, specific, I know. Yeah. It was like, I, I love reading that. I was, I was like, like yeah. Oh my God. Uh, like, Oh my God. Like, I mean, like, like, you know, covering the, the, the Pac-12 for this long, like we're like sort of, you know, writing about Oregon, you know, like I get mad. I mean, I get mad if for Oregon, the number goes over like 10%. I get mad at Oregon. I'm like, like 10% of the plays in this game were of, of the uh, pat, you know, designed passing plays turned into scrambles. I am furious. Right. And then I'll, you know, and then I'll watch some other team and I'll like snicker it. Like you can't read the snicker in my article, but like, I can tell you when I'm writing it, I, there's a snicker in my fingers uh, uh, that it's like, boy, this team, they're 20%. They're like twice as bad as, as a rate that would make me mad about Oregon. And then later on, on, I'll find some team that's like 30%. And I'm like, reader, this is the worst. Why you gotta like, bring Colorado I, into I, this? Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, <laughs> I can't believe it. This team is 30%. Can you I'm like, oh my God, this is horrible. And then in this game, it's 56%. And I'm like, I don't need like I'm run out of words, right? I'm just like, uh, like, are you flipping kidding? Like 56% or like, like more than half? Like, what? So anyway, uh yeah. So 56% of the time they drop back, Caleb Williams, either taking a sack, uh, he's throwing the ball away or he's scrambling. Okay. So on those scrambles, breaking those down 61 and a half percent of those scrambles, Oregon, or, 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 sorry, let me try that again. Uh, 61 and a half percent of the time. Uh, when Oregon breaks the play, they still win, meaning they get a, a sack, they get a throwaway, or it's a scramble, but they still wind up winning, you know, like they get them to, to complete the pass, but it's an unproductive play. It's for like two yards or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there is still a fraction of the time when they break the play, Caleb Williams scrambles and he gets something productive done. Uh <laughs> 
<laughs> and those that has more plays, to do with Caleb Williams. Yeah, than Caleb Williams because he's a magician. Like it's just a, he's the he's the scariest quarterback in football because you can't like he doesn't abide by the laws of physics. You know, it's just like absolutely terrifying. So anyway, six plays. It's six plays. Six plays outside of garbage time in which he he breaks the pocket and then breaks the laws of physics and and creates a successful play on the scramble drill and on those six plays USC gets 60% of the or excuse me 59% of all yards that they earn outside of garbage time on those six scramble plays like that's i mean <laughs> yeah that's a, I mean, that's how thoroughly Oregon had this shut down, and that's how like, like fundamental. I mean, fundamental isn't even like. Is there a word stronger than fundamental? Like, absolutely, one hundred percent necessary. Caleb Williams, you know, is to USC, or at least is to USC when they play a team like Oregon. Um, cause they don't have any, you know, when they're playing a defense like Oregon's, they don't have anything else going on like at all. Um, like they don't have any other recourse. Uh, and that's with a really good offensive, you know, mind like Lincoln Riley, like it's just nothing to be done. And like a very talented, you know, group, there's just nothing to be gotten to, to be done. And like, this is a team that, that Oregon like this is one of the bigger threats, you know, in, in when Oregon's going to the Big Ten, right? And they're not going to have Caleb Williams next year, right? And, and like sort of as a little sneak preview, you know, of the Big Ten, it's like there ain't no Caleb Williamses in the Big Ten. And, and there, there ain't no teams that are like as talented as USC in the Big Ten. And there ain't, you know, teams that are complete. You know, like like Oregon's walking into a situation in which there's maybe two complete teams in, in that league. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and we Oregon, won't have to play it, and we won't have to play the other one most years. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's you know they they walk into. So I'm I'm not necessarily saying that Oregon just like is Ohio State or is Michigan. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, those, those teams are different in, in qualitative ways, you know, historically tradition, fan base size, you know, they, their stadiums are twice as big. There's many things that differentiate those programs. But when I'm talking about complete versus incomplete teams, you know, like teams that have like more than just one thing going for them, uh, you know, that, that are like talented from top to bottom that are deep, that can play in multiple different ways. Like, yeah, man, Oregon is more like Ohio and Michigan state than they are like, first of all, the rest of the currently extant big 10. And second of all, then they are like the three other PAC 12 schools that are joining that league because look at the game they just played against USC in which, if Caleb Williams wasn't pulling a rabbit out of their hat, his hat, they didn't have anything going on because that's not a complete team. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, look at Washington where, you know, that's a one dimensional team. You know, look, look at how they've been, you know, bumbling around. Hell, look at how Washington played USC, right. In which like, I know nobody paid attention to it, I guess, or everybody just immediately forgot it. USC 
USC had a 79% rushing success rate against Washington. Like, like everybody, you know, was, was singing, uh, uh, Dylan Johnson's praises, uh, you know, for running so well against USC's horrible defense. Like did, did, Hey guys, you know, they didn't even have, you know, Marshawn Lloyd against Washington, you know, and they, you know, they ran, go look up the stat lines for Dylan Johnson and for, uh, uh, Austin Jones, uh, in that game, like they both ran for 7.5 yards per carry. Like they, like they had basically identical stat lines. Uh, and, and it was just the fact that like USC passed the ball more often that caused them to have like a different total amount of yards, but like on a per play basis, like Washington's rush defense was just as bad as USC's. Um, like that's not a complete team either. And yeah. then like, and then the third team joining the Big Ten is UCLA, which like <laughs> <laughs> they might want to rethink and go to the Mountain West. Yeah, right, man. Uh, that's about where maybe they can take Nebraska with them. Like, yeah, right. So anyway, like, yeah, this game sort of, and, and that's just the defensive side of the ball. The offensive side of the ball, like, I guess I shouldn't leave listeners hanging. Like, I mean, that was the other thing is, you know, they 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 went from. You know, I was just talking about how in volleyball, like Oregon, the Oregon volleyball team can like play multiple different styles if they choose. That was definitely true on the offense, right? Like they went from shredding them with those big plays because they could, because USC, their their defensive backs might as well not have been on the field because their safeties, you know, were horribly coached. Uh, to then, they switch up to you know, methodical drives. So like their, their five, their five meaningful possessions after those first two. So the first two were like, they score in like two, three plays. Right. Yeah. So then they have five meaningful possessions after that prior to garbage time, their average yards or excuse me, their average plays per possession on those five subsequent possessions, meaningful possessions because they have like a kneel down right before the half. Mm -hmm. I'm excluding that. Um, it's it's nine yards per play. And remember, one of those is a three and out, which means, you know, for the other four, it's it's bigger. It's like 14, you know, it's they're really going on methodical drives. And that's no accident. You know, it's not because, oh, well, that's just the only thing USC's awesome defense is letting us get done because <laughs> what what awesome defense for USC, right? Those are deliberate choices. And if you read my article, you know, which I'm trying to get you to do, that's the point of this podcast. Uh, read my <laughs> article. I, I deliberately selected, you know, highly representative clips of that phase of the game, the mid game in which Oregon is foregoing. Like, I, I mean, there's at least two that are extremely clear where Oregon has rail shots that are available. It's open. It's open against zone coverage where they've got a rail shot where they could hit the same play that they hit at the beginning of the game for like a 60 yard gain, but they're saying no to it. And instead are completing the pass to like Terrence Ferguson, you know, you know who they weren't throwing the ball to on those first two possessions. Terrence Ferguson. They weren't throwing the ball to Terrence Ferguson. They weren't throwing the ball to Jordan James or Bucky Irving. 
right? That, yeah, that was the big one to me is we didn't throw to our backs nearly well, as much as we have in the past. Not in the early phase of the game, Yeah, right? In the early phase of the game, it's to the speedy receivers because they want to score points fast, right? But then mm-hmm. in the mid game, who are they throwing the ball to? They're throwing it's it's underneath stuff to the tight ends and to the running backs. It's, you know, crossers it's underneath stuff. It's not because USC has an awesome defense and it's not because Bo Nix only knows how to throw short passes. Did you, you know, for all the people on Twitter who were like, Oh, he's a check down quarterback. Did you dumb, dumb individuals not see the flipping rail shots that went for 77 yards? You morons like, you just instantly forget about those, you know, it's like, I swear to God, talking to people on Twitter about football, you know, it's, it's like the, the, the robots from Westworld where like mm-hmm. you can show them the thing that disproves what they, the, what they believe. And they're like, that doesn't look like anything at all. It's like, they just deny that it exists. You're just like, are, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, uh, one thing I do want to, uh, two things actually that I want to sneak in. We we brought it back. Remember how the last time I was on the podcast, I talked about that underneath fake out to the hitch and go. Yeah, we brought we ran one. It didn't yeah. go for a touchdown, but we hit um, Holden on one. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, it's back. <laughs> so like, so that's what I'm saying about the mid game is that, and if you read my article, I mean it's clear as day on multiple different clips um, where they've got the opportunity for a bigger play and they they take the shorter play because they are trying to methodically march the field to possess the ball and keep it out of Caleb Williams hands because now that they have a lead which they established in the early phase of the game now they are sitting on the lead which is like hey strategy <laughs> you know it's not just it's not just the tactical level consciousness that you see out of coaches who are like, I just have to do whatever is working. I just have to do whatever I think the best play is right now. Cause I, you know, I can only do what I can do. Right. Also, we needed the defense to rest a little bit. They were only off the field for, you know, (laughs) I think that's why USC managed that first touchdown is the defense sat down for two plays. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's what, you know, what what I'm saying is that like Oregon has the ability to Oregon is vast. It contains multitudes Mm -hmm. Um, and they can play multiple styles of the game and not just can they do and do so wisely with a a strategic, you know, consciousness uh, about how to best limit the opponent and ensure the victory, which like. Most teams don't have the tools or the awareness or the wisdom to do those things, much less all three. And Oregon does. And they demonstrated that in this game against an inferior opponent. And USC with the Heisman winning quarterback and one of the best offensive minds in college football is an inferior opponent. Like that's the status of this team in year two of Dan Lanning, 
who ain't going anywhere. They locked him up with a $20 million contract before the season began. So, yeah, like the Ducks are in a pretty good position. So can I talk about Troy Franklin for a moment? Please do. Okay. So there is a lot of buzz in the, you know, the Heisman hype, Bo Nix, currently the betting favorite, the odd, betting odds favorite to win the Heisman, Bodacious. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in that it's Just because of the billboards, though, cause because it's all yeah, hype, right? It's all hype. Yeah. Um, but also in that conversation, Marvin Harrison Jr., Mm-hmm. wide receiver from Ohio state. Yes. Uh, let's compare real quick, Troy Franklin and Marvin Harrison jr. Wait, 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 Troy Franklin. Don't tell me what the names are. Just read what their okay. stat lines are and ask me to determine who is who. Okay. Uh, one of them, 60 receptions, mm-hmm. 1,093 yards, mm-hmm. 18.2 yards per catch, 11 mm-hmm. touchdowns. Ooh, that sounds like a pretty good stat line. The other, 59 catches, 1,063 yards, 30 less yards. Mm-hmm. But on yards. one fewer catch. One, one fewer catch. Uh, 18 yards per carry or per catch. 12 touchdowns. So one more touchdown. Which mm. one do you think is Troy Franklin? Which do you think is Marvin Harrison Jr.? I think the second one is Troy Franklin. You are incorrect. I'm incorrect. Okay. Franklin has one more catch, 30 more yards, but one fewer touchdown. Mm-hmm. All right. And here's here's one other. Rome Odunze. First right. round pick every on every mock draft, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Second receiver off the board for most people. Rome Odunze has 59 catches, uh-huh. one less than Troy Franklin, 1,100 yards, seven more yards. And mm-hmm. only nine touchdowns. Only nine. Two less touchdowns. What a bum. Troy Franklin is not on the first round of any mock draft that I've seen. Well, you know, he's a system. He's a system receiver. He's I don't a know system what that means. Yeah. Yeah. No. Nah, and, and and he's, oh, and and he's, uh, you know, um, Bonix is only target. Mm-hmm. Never mind that when you consider that in the top 50 receivers, Tez Johnson's number 46. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it's not like he's getting all of the catches. Yeah. <laughs> Tez Johnson I mean, only has seven fewer catches. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. It, no. Also, last week, according to advanced statistics, Troy Franklin, the fastest player clocked on the field in all of college football on his first long touchdown. I, I lost the actual stat, but it was a half a mile faster than Marvin Harrison Jr. Hmm. Uh, yeah, he's pretty good. Yep. And yet and no he, one he, he would have had more round. if he hadn't, uh, you know, fallen down. <laughs> yeah. And, and, oh no. And I've talked about this. He did not do it against USC, but I had mentioned it previously on this podcast that it seemed like he dropped a sure touchdown or sometimes got slightly overthrown or, you know, mistimed, Mm -hmm. whatever. There was one walk-in touchdown to Troy Franklin that didn't happen in every single game this season, except for against USC. His his stat line. Well, yeah, but against USC, the walk-in touchdown still happened or that didn't happen was you know the dog that didn't bark again yeah you know because because the turf monster that was yeah if the if the turf monster didn't strike that was a touchdown yeah 
So like I, was, I wasn't doing I wasn't counting that one. Like I was letting that one slide because like <laughs> but yeah, so again, so if the turf monster doesn't strike, that means in every game this season, Troy Franklin has not caught a touchdown pass that would have been. I mean, like I have also not caught touchdown passes in every game. Yeah, but you weren't targeted in any of them. At least, at least, I don't think Bonix threw one up into the press box. I mean, he probably could, but uh, that bad Badwater was the one in the press box. I was, I was in my okay. PJs because uh, it was a late game, man. Like, yeah, I, anyway, I pretty much so... i I went I went directly from that into bed. Like right. I was like I was like pretty drained. That's that's my Troy Franklin should be in mock drafts in the first round and he should be right up there with Roma Dunze and Marvin Harrison Jr. who are seem to be universally agreed to be WR1 and WR2 off the board this year and yet right in the mix of that with almost identical stat lines more yards than Harrison more touchdowns than Adunze Troy Franklin wide receiver for the Oregon Ducks uh, well, I don't know how NFL scouts do their evaluations. Um, they're probably not doing just on straight uh, stat lines. Um, like, but at the same time, they're also probably not doing it on the basis of, you know, whatever like ESPN talking heads are rambling about today, you know, or, or yeah. you know, whatever it is that has you upset <laughs> Kevin for him, you know, not getting the attention that he deserves. Uh, you know, they're probably a little more rational than that. Although who knows, uh, like I, I look at the quarterbacks, that they decide are good ideas to take flyers on. I, I question the rationality. Um, uh, the, the, uh, the dude I want to, uh, or, or the dudes that I want to give sh- uh, shout outs to are all, uh, in the defensive front. Um, uh, p- particularly the freshmen, uh, or, or tr- <laughs> but true in red shirt. Um, uh, I, you the, I, I i have said this before i, I am I, oregon okay so the story of the offseason for me nobody n- nobody was talking about this I, I don't know why uh but so in the offseason uh uh well who knows whether it was push or pull but the result of it was uh Everybody except for Mace Funa, uh, who played outside linebacker, uh, left. Uh, one of them got drafted, um, but uh, you know the rest of them just gone. Transfer portal out. Um, they 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 also you know lost just a, you know through standard attrition you know a couple other players uh, from the you know defensive line, um, and uh, uh, you know the, the sort of the 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 the, the nose tackle positions you, uh, it was fine, but like all, all the rest of them, that you know your your four eyes, your 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 fives techs, your your edges, your your OLBs, you know, strong side and weak side in the system, like so, so just to for for easiness of conversation's sake let's say you want to have like three let's divide it into like three layers of experience you have your like your your most experienced layer so oregon had that right they had you know uh, a brandon dorless they had mace funa they brought in jordan birch who's very experienced right uh uh uh, uh you you could if you want put like guys like jake shipley you know in there um 
and then I, again, I'm sort of excluding the nose tackles from that. I, you know, I, I, uh, and the, 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 the interior of the line guys, you know, guys like, uh, uh, you know, Taki Taimani and, and Jordan Rogers, I'm not talking about the interior. I'm talking sort of like the, the guys on more towards the outside, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the Dorlisses and, and Birches and Funas and so forth. Um, and then, so, so sort of like top layer, you know, experienced, highly experienced guys, they had that. And then, you know, then jumping down to the bottom layer, which are like your your true freshmen, you know, you, you want to have that too. Well, Oregon had plenty of those, right? They went out and recruited a bunch of blue chip, you know, defensive linemen who all look great. You know, they had those. Um, so then you also have like a, a but like most teams don't really play those guys. Um, what they what they have for playing, you know, behind your experience, dudes are like this, the, the, the guys in the middle are like you know, the last year's freshmen, right. You know, they're, they're not, they're not the experienced guys, but they're like more experienced than freshmen, you know, that they're, they're the guys like moving up in the mid stage of the conveyor belt. Right. Well, Oregon didn't have any of those guys, right. Cause they all hit the transfer portal. They're all gone. Um, so most teams would have gone and hit the transfer portal and gotten some additions you know, to replace them. Right. And, you know, they probably would have settled for some like mid three stars, but who had like, you know, a hundred tackles under their belt, you know, and just been like, okay, this guy's fine. Uh, Oregon didn't do that though. They doubled down on the freshmen. They just got like another round of blue chip, you know, defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so their, you know, red light, yellow light, green light looks like red light, green light, green light. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, uh, so and so like I'm like, oh, man, this is really making me nervous, you know, because like I don't because this means like the true freshmen are going to have to play like guys who have like no college experience at all are going to have to play on the defensive line. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I know they're talented, but like, you know, usually it's the case that's it's sort of like talent doesn't really kick in until they've been around for a while. They've been, you know, the weight room and the training table and they've been absorbing the system and and all that stuff. You know, like usually you don't really see it till the redshirt freshman year at the earliest. And Oregon's going to be playing them as true freshmen, like or, or some redshirt freshmen, but they redshirt. They don't have any like game experience like Marion Winston and, and, and guys like that. Uh, they've been kicking ass. Yeah. Like absolute ass kickers like Tatum Tuiati, uh, Blake purchase, uh, uh, you know, Mary Winston, I already mentioned, uh, 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 just like, Oh my God, they're, they're, they're killing it out there. Um, and they were, you know, Tatum Tuiati got, got an awesome sack against Caleb Williams, like Tatum Tuiati, true freshman, like, you know, towards the beginning of the game, you know, well, the offensive line's still fresh, you know, uh, right. You know, optimal conditions uh, goes and sacks the reigning Heisman Trophy winner who's, you know, running uh, for his life. <laughs> yeah. Who, who's like primary awesome skill. I don't know, like reduce him to only this, but like the thing that he has like magic powers at is escaping sacks. Tatum Tuiati, like, crunches him you know i was like yeah oh and matayo ingole another true freshman also played a hell of a game 
like and with like tons of lane discipline. I try to like to 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 isolate those, you know, too. Where like he he doesn't have like a sack in this game, um, and neither does Marion Winston. But I I try to pull out clips of my article and and point to like, look, this guy is in the position where he's supposed to be, you know, um you know, to, to prevent the quarterback from escaping, you know, and like that, think about how many different times in the past, you know, Oregon's, you know, like, ah, they flushed the quarterback, but then, you know, the other dudes on the pass rush got real excited and they ran, you know, directly at him. And then the quarterback was able to escape, you know, out through the back door or whatever. Not so Oregon was closing the back door and the dudes who were closing the back door would be like true freshmen redshirt freshman and it's like ah damn man like that's that's really awesome and first of all it means the bet paid off which Mm -hmm. like that's rad second of all hey you're gonna have those guys for a couple more years and think about how good they're gonna be next year and the year after that and third of all you think that doesn't help with recruiting you know think about what you can say to like all the recruits like i'm not going to stick you on the bench you know like i'm not you know you're not going to wait around you're not going to wait you know for some like fifth year senior to complete his victory lap in order for you to finally get playing time like they do at certain institutions um where like you know that well we we just got to honor this senior who's been with the program i know he was a walk-on but you know we gave him his scholarship and all these attaboys and yeah nope not not oregon you know they're getting four and five stars and they're playing right away and they're kicking ass and they're sacking the quarterback usc who has a heisman trophy and well, and and occasionally we do have that walk-on baseball player that just absolutely yeah, right. balls out. Yeah, we're just pretty Bryce cool, my boy. I uh, a little 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 sneak preview the way that uh, the way that uh, ASU is going to play on Saturday. I actually think the Bryce Betcher is like perfectly situated to have like j- play play Bryce guys. Hey uh, hey Dan, if you're listening to this podcast, play Bryce. He's uh he he's actually pretty much a perfect matchup for the way that ASU is going to play. Um, anyway, uh, 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 yeah, that that's my big shout out is like Oregon is really well situated in their defensive. Um, just the sort of like the, 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 the way that they're configured and going forward into the future and that this game really like showed it, it really showed that those guys are playing at a high level right now and there's i mean w- with the exception of alabama there who who has i mean there's there's a couple guys at alabama just like oh my god um like there there ain't there ain't, a, there ain't a team in the country that's like oh yeah i'm gonna put a bunch of like uh freshman uh defensive linemen on the field and they're gonna be sacking the heisman trophy winner yeah yeah yeah, I dig that. I dig that a lot. <laughs> That's like, you know, every other team is like, what am I going to do to survive the next down or or next Saturday? You know, and Oregon's like, what am I going to do to win a national championship after I win this national championship? <laughs> I hear the second one's easier. Yeah. That's what Georgia found <laughs> out, right? Yeah. 
right? You know, well, they had a they had a game in 2021, and not so much in 2022. Yeah, it's, it's something that happens. You win a national title, and then all of a sudden, all of the five stars just show up on campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened earlier for them, you know. Like that was the thing, you know. Kirby, you know, here's an interesting stat about Kirby. Uh, his first, you know, he's been there since 2016, so this is year eight for Kirby Smart at Georgia. Again, first time head coach. He'd never been a head coach head coach before. Uh, his first three seasons, he goes, I believe, uh, thirty two and ten. That's his that's his record in 2016, 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, win, winning about seventy five percent of his games. Dan Lanning's doing a little better, uh, by the way. He's like nineteen and four, I think. Um. Uh. 32 and 15 his first three seasons. So he's not done with season number eight yet, but you know what his record is right now? What? 91 and 15. The next five years, he goes 59 and five. Yeah. yeah you build the factory. Like that's mm. what, you know, like that. The, the reason that I just spent all that time like talking about building you know the conveyor belt is like that's how you build like a sustainable you know you, you don't this the like yeah the transfer portal is great you know when i when i studied george's roster for that you know the opener of the 2022 season you know what mm-hmm. i didn't see or when I studied Ohio State's roster for the 2021 season, you know what I didn't see? Transfers. What I did see was a whole ton of five-star recruits. And and then when I dove their film, what I found was that those five-star recruits were playing in garbage time for the two years prior so that they had yeah it was because like they were blowing out all their opponents so that those guys by the time they were starting in their third year or their second year depending on when they were ready uh you know would have something like you know 400 snaps under their belt so it was a five star who had beaten out another five star who had 400 snaps under his belt mm-hmm. against you know other teams um that was you know within the same system you know for all those years not like come in you know at the last minute to save my team right like yeah that's the factory you know like that's not a bespoke handcrafted you know chip kelly nonsense at ucla that he ran into the ground that's right so like that's the kind of system that like, yeah, you establish that. So like, so that's why, you know, I say like the difference between Kirby smarts, like first three years and his next five years is the difference between, you know, 32 and 10 and 59 and five, you know, it's like you have to do some of the things at the beginning because you haven't built the quite built the factory yet. Right. You maybe you have to like take out some loans, you know, like you got to, you know, you got to borrow a little bit or you got to put into you got to use some procedures that that, you know, because you don't quite have the system built yet. But like once you do have the system built, like 
the system kind of does itself. And like what you're starting to see now is how the system is supposed to be working. You know, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 I like, I like the system. All right, that's enough about that. Uh, I think that'll do it for this week. Do you have any, any other thoughts about this game before we go? Uh, you know, anytime we, well, do, do I talk about, for USC, I, I was imminently excited just for the attention that was on that game, despite it being so very late that oh, yeah. Oregon showed up, that Bo Nix had an amazing stat line, um, and that it was like the fifth largest crowd in our oh, yeah. in the history of Watson Stadium. So, but yeah, now now I'm looking to our next game, and games in the desert always make me nervous. Yeah, uh, uh, I I I'm sort of thinking it won't be their fifth largest crowd ever. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, all right. Well, we'll talk about uh, the ASU preview the next time we record. That'll do us uh, 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 for for now, though. Uh, any parting words of wisdom, Kevin? Uh, hug your loved ones. Spend as much time as you can with them. Uh, and that should include going out to duck sporting events because season tickets for next year are currently in like reservation window uh that's true uh you know it, uh, always lovely uh in Austin stadium uh uh <laughs> it uh you know the, the 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 weather was nice and clear uh i, I did see a little uh, a few players slip uh, a little bit i think it gets a little dewy you know when it gets cold you know the, mm -hmm. the turf you know tends to to attract some uh, a little bit of moisture of course, it never rains on this podcast. <laughs>